live from the Huntington Hilltop. Coming to you from the <laughs> coming to you from the apartment across from the Irvine Speculum. Six years. I can't change mine up either. Totally fucks me up. Uh, it's Independence Day. Yeah, it is. It's a celebration of not being a commonwealth. I think we've tried to do episodes on this day multiple times over the years. And I don't know if we ended up publishing most of them. Because for some reason they were a little off. Like they were rushed before doing something. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if we've actually done one on 4th of July. I know we've done them on holidays before, but I'm not sure about 4th of July. Well, in the spirit of independence, I have some more de-googling topics. Okay. Um, I got my hands on a Synology recently, and I've used a Drobo in the past, and the Synology blows it away. It lets you run all kinds of local services and it's all turnkey and it has its own stuff built in which I'm sure is built on some open source stuff but the way they implement it and the ease of use it's um, not comparable to a Drobo. The Drobo is just a, a paperweight. It's got this really crappy management interface. The Synology's got this great web interface. It gives you a multiple window system in a single browser window. There's a mobile app, so you can manage all of it from your bed. Like an oil baron, an infirm oil baron, just sitting there scrolling through all your data. Did you get a QNAP or what is it? Uh, Synology Disk Station. Disk Station. So the DS218 Plus is... Pretty good one. Any of the uh, 218 series and up, that doesn't include the 218J. So 218 or 218 Plus, those ones use ButterFS, the, uh, I guess it's the B tree file system, which we talked about in the past because the developers didn't test the RAID 5, RAID 5 configuration, and apparently you can't restore from it when you lose a disk. I'm sure they fixed it all by now, but this product is based around that. So they must have fixed it, and it's really good. The file system has built-in checksumming and uh, file repair. So it'll, if a file on a particular disk gets corrupted, doesn't match the checksum, it can repair it with the parity information on your other disks. And th in that way, it's sort of self-healing on an individual file basis along with the whole array. So you could have like a RAID 6 or six plus one if you had a larger array like if you had a, a six disc setup you could have three discs three random this, discs fail this specific one only takes two discs right that specific one only takes two but that's the model you want to buy if you want at least two gigs of ram so you can run uh, docker or virtual machines um, what else does it give you you could run your own mail server on that thing. I was trying to run Nextcloud on it because I have that Helm Helm uh, personal server that does my email. Right. 
which is way more expensive than this disc station, which is kind of a head scratcher because I spent a lot of money on the helm. Um, but the helm was only like 300 bucks. I bought it for that price. They had this weird week where it was a, a low price, but it's back to 400 or 500 again. Huh. Maybe it was just a promotional period. I guess. Because they waived the yearly fee, too. There's a, a yearly $100 fee for the infrastructure upkeep, which is worth it because they front a mail relay. So even if my mail server's down, the mail will still hit it and try and forward to my box. So that's good. I would have to run that anyway if I ran my own email. In this case, I don't have to manage it. Uh, the Synology is in that same spirit of running your own stuff, but it's turnkey, kind of like the Helm. So you don't mm -hmm. have to actually deal with the upkeep of all the services that you run. But for just setting up a, a local time machine backup or something, that's super idiot proof. But I wanted to run the uh, uh, Nextcloud service on there because that gives me a replacement for Google Docs. You can have collaborative document editing it gives you a replacement for Google Drive. Um, combine that with my Helm, and I've replaced all of the Google services as far as I know. Yeah, that's really good. I think I would put like a $2.50 a month Vulture instance in front. So I'd run that as the web URL. That would be the front for my Nextcloud. So I'd run Nextcloud there, and then it would be connected to Nextcloud shares as like mounted folders. Because then I wouldn't have to expose my on-prem Nextcloud instances. And then the stuff could be cached on the Vulture instance, and I could download stuff faster. Because hmm. Vulture just introduced NVMe instances. And they're the cheapest NVMe systems you can get on the internet, as far as I can tell. They're 50% faster than the normal compute cloud or compute instances. And the S the NVMe is probably like two or three times faster. Right. Do you have any of those NVMe instances yet? Yeah, I'm running one for Nextcloud. Oh, okay. I wanted to test the Nextcloud sharing <clears throat> because you can set up, you could have your own Nextcloud, I could have my own, and we could sync content to each other like Google Drive or Dropbox. It's got a web interface. You don't have to install an application or anything. I do have the iOS app made by a third party, and that thing replicates my photos. So I can replace um, the iCloud photo stream because I don't actually use iCloud photos. I keep all my stuff offline. Okay. I was reading that you can run this on a Raspberry Pi wonder what the performance is like yeah you can the ras uh what is it the raspberry pi 4 it requires like a three amp power supply which is really high and it produces a lot of heat so it's apparently better for bursting but if you had something that put it under constant load like a long-term file transfer on nextcloud it would underclock the performance hmm I mean, if you had a a fan on it or like a 
passive cooling. I know they sell like heat sinks and things like that. Yeah, it looks like every kit gives it a heat sink. I think a fan would solve the problem. Yeah, well, I think they sell little cases you can get with uh, the fans on them. Yeah, get a Raspberry Pi 4 and then just attach it to a USB disc. I almost bought one the other day, but all they had at Micro Center was the uh, the uh, one gig model. They, they have a four gig model. That's probably the one I would buy. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd like to get a couple of them. Uh, did the three have Wi-Fi built in? Yes. This one has it built in, right? Yeah. Yep, it has uh, Bluetooth five and gigabit Ethernet. I would use. I would just wire it in. That's impressive. That was always the biggest problem with the original Raspberry Pi. Trying to find a Wi-Fi module that worked. What a pain yeah. in the ass. They sold, like, they sold kits with a, um, the, the, going back to, like, the two and prior, they sold kits that came with a wireless USB adapter that supposedly worked out of the box. Like, if you, if, if you uh, ran Raspbian on it, it, like, had the drivers already, like, as part, side-loaded into it. So it must have been a binary blob then, some kind of proprietary firmware module. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. <clears throat> um, YubiKey. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. No, I was gonna say yeah. I'm 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 slowly moving off of the Google stuff too. I can't do anything about the internet where I'm at, but. Oh yeah. I can, I can use VPNs and some i could take some steps to obfuscate what i'm doing but how's that proton vpn it's been good i use it every day at work you don't use it at home um because i don't want to take the speed hit i haven't been using it at home i use it on my laptop at home but not on my my main desktop i mean it's still it's still reasonably fast but I'm not going to get more than like 100 megabits through it. That's unacceptable. Well, most VPNs solutions are not going to give you more than a couple hundred megs at the most. Yeah, I've never achieved more than that. I've never achieved more than 250. But I guess that's a bad example. I only have 250 down. Yeah, so if you're maximizing your connection, then you're already golden. Yeah, I'd probably do even better now with those new higher performance Vulture instances. I should give that a try. Because right now I'm using the cheapest uh, Vulture Compute instance. And it still has a higher CPU performance than all of EC2. That's crazy. Yeah, that's why their service is the best for hosting games. Yeah, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my VPS. I'm going to, I think I told you, I'm going to move the uh, unified controller off of that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, maybe I'll implement some sort of, uh, I don't know, actually. 
maybe maybe there's like a game server I'll want to run down the line, but um, I'm using that five five dollar a month. Uh, I think it's like you get a twenty terabyte or twenty gigabyte SSD. What's how much is the cheapest uh, NVMe instance? Six. Six dollars a month. Yeah. And, is and it it's like, more storage. It's thirty two gigs of uh, NVMe storage. Uh, and aren't and they one, aren't they sold out of them right now? No, they have new regions like every day. Last okay. week when they came out with it. They only had a single New Jersey region, and now it's it's in California, Texas, some other East Coast state. It's everywhere. They have an Oregon region now. I think it's the only part of their service that's in Oregon, which would put it near uh, Amazon's Oregon data center. I mean, closer than California, at least. Atlanta. Oh, Seattle, not Oregon. So it's in Washington, Dallas, Chicago, New York, Atlanta. And then you can pick the application section and then build a custom Nextcloud one with that built in. But if you just went with like a generic Ubuntu, you could probably stack, you only have a gig of Ram, so maybe you wouldn't want to do all this, but you could put your Unify controller on there, some kind of source-based game server, and maybe Nextcloud. You'd be pretty cramped on RAM, though. Is it still just, uh, what is it, one gig of RAM they give you with that? Yeah, one gig. Okay. Yeah, if you wanted anything less than $5 a month, they have a $2.50 and $3.50 a month instances that are 5 112 gigs of RAM. Megs, man. Megs, yeah. 512 gigs would be crazy. Yeah. You can get the top-end NVMe instance with 490 gigs. No, no, never mind. I'm looking at the wrong thing. On Amazon, you can buy one terabyte instances, though. One terabyte of uh, RAM. Wow. I'm sure it's like $17 an hour. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. It'd be so expensive. It would be enough to run openarena.live. Open Arena in the web browser. Yeah, that's cool. You can create a server all in the browser. People can join in their browsers. The, the biggest problem with this is that open or webgl can potentially be used you're asking your browser to execute arbitrary code from a website this is like activex back in the day but then they're putting it in your gpu which doesn't really have any kind of sandbox restrictions so if somebody was super good at writing stuff for webgl they could make it perform i assume file system tasks So who knows what openarena.live is actually doing. Yeah. I was under the impression Those... that Bra that Brave disabled WebGL. I guess not. Because I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I had it open in the center 
So the center isn't the way that the center works very similar to Brave. Yeah, I think it's the based privacy. on Brave. Okay. They well, it's based on out. Chromium, yeah. Yeah, but I thought it was actually based on Brave's version of Chromium. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Could have sworn it was. Because you said it had the Tor browser built in. Yeah, it had, you could yeah. open new tabs in the Tor. Yeah, so it's definitely built on Brave. Oh, yeah. And the Brave guys, you know how they have that uh, bat basic something token basic attention to token yeah yeah there's a cryptocurrency built into the browser and you can passively pay websites as you browse rather than using an advertising model you just pay out the websites but they like sponsor a certain amount of browsers random people using their application to give out small amounts of bat well those uh Brave issued bat tokens, they can revoke. So if I receive bat and they decide that the podcast is like promoting violence or something, or in some way is something that is offensive to them, they can stop my payments. Yeah, that's so good. So I don't know if that extends to Nate being able to pay me with his bat that he bought, but that seems like it totally undermines the cryptocurrency if there's actually a central authority that determines who can get paid and can stop transactions, or if that is just a special capability for their particular bat. Or maybe it's because they run the company that controls the exchange. Because somebody's converting bat into Bitcoin or bat into dollars. And I think there's only one. But that's kind of sketchy. Yeah. Speaking of crypto, um, it's been an interesting swing with Bitcoin over the last month or so. I think it got up to like 13, like almost 14,000. And then it, it went way back down to like, I think it got to like 8,500 the other day. Whoa. And now it's, yeah. And now it's a, I think it's like 11 right now. Yep. So 11, 873, so almost 12. Yeah, I didn't realize that it went from 13 back down to 8. It was like 8,500 or something like that. Okay, I'm seeing 9,700, and its peak was, I think that they're, I definitely saw the peak hit 13,000, but on Coinbase, I can only see it go to 12,300. I don't think the hmm. graphs are high enough resolution. I think the high was, thir yeah, 13,682 was the high. Did you already have any Bitcoin or... Some kind of dust in your wallet? Uh, I kind of got rid of most of my Bitcoin and then spread that out across the other currencies. So the one I've gotten the most money from right now is Litecoin, which is at 124. Um, and then I've got 
some in Ethereum, and then the rest is just kind of like spread thin, like in Zero X and XRP. I have Litecoin from when it was like five dollars. Oh man, should have bought a ton of that. It was somehow unimaginable that it would ever really grow that high. I see that the peak on Coinbase, I know it's not the actual peak, but it says it was $310, so. That was probably over a year ago. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, that's when I uh, I bought my Bitcoin iMac. <laughs> You just uh, emptied out your Bitcoin to buy that? Yeah, it helped. I still have a bunch of dust in my wallet, though, so with all the the growth in these different cryptocurrencies, I now have a like mystery grand in my Coinbase account. Yeah. Because I didn't completely sell it. I wanted to make sure I had something left in there. Yep, just sit and wait and see if it spikes again. So when the Apple card comes out, are you going to get that? I think so. Yeah, I think I will. It's kind of weird that they went through Goldman Sachs for it. I think that's who they go through for their their loans for um, getting that Visa card. Well, the Citizen. Apple Card's a MasterCard, isn't it? You're right. I don't know. I thought they did business with Goldman before. Huh. When do they have the uh, applications for that? Uh, they said summer. When Should be summer, no. in a couple months. What if they save the announcement for iOS... 13 no it'd have to be released right before well yeah because that's not coming out until the fall so it'd have to be before the next iphone in september so there's your timeline because they don't want it to steal the thunder of the next iphone that also begs the question if they're releasing the new iphone or don't they normally do the announcements for the new iphones like now no they get launched in september they announce it in september like a week and before just, or a oh, week okay, after then they sell it or ship it. It used to be like an announcement and then a week later pre-orders and then a week later they would milk it as long as they could. So they'd get a month of promotion out of it and they've condensed it down to, I think announcing it uh, like pre-orders and shipping all within a short span of time. Hmm. Are you going to get the new one? The next iPhone? Yeah. I don't Didn't I just buy mine? Yeah. You do the yeah. trade in, trade up whatever it is. No. Probably not. Unless yeah, maybe I, I I don't know. I don't know what the No. I'll tell you that. I'll just <clears throat> say no right now. I yeah, don't need I'm another phone. My 10. Yeah. I'm going to try and get 2 years like I normally do. There's no reason for me to rush it. But I do look forward to iOS 13 because 
you can restrict apps from accessing your Bluetooth. Huh. And location. So you can say, you can get my location this one time. And then the next time you have to ask again. The Siri stuff's going to be cool because now they'll be able to work with third-party apps. Yeah, you already could, except for music apps. Uh, you could do it with podcast apps. I don't know if you can like, tell Siri to... like. Uh, I guess I'll do music apps. I was going to say, like, open... Like, a, like, hey, Siri, open this song. And, oh, fuck. Just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could do. There was a framework for third party apps to tap into that, but not for music apps. For whatever reason, they had to wait, and they're going to have some kind of framework for that now. Wait, I was going to ask you the car. So for CarPlay, the updates. Do they, when they make changes to CarPlay, does that, is that sideloaded into the iOS updates or is that done on the manufacturer side of the car? I kind of think that CarPlay is just streaming. Hmm. Because I've never heard of anybody running a CarPlay update. So well, it really does just seem like it's streaming. There is some aspect of it on the manufacturer's end because there's cars now that you can just do a software update for the existing uh, module to support CarPlay. Yeah, because it has to have some type of input back into the device. So as long as they have the whatever the criteria is for input, whether it's indirect or touch manipulation I don't know what mechanisms iOS or CarPlay supports as long as it meets that criteria it seems like uh, CarPlay supported which is why they're able to do these arbitrary software updates so I think the criteria is a certain amount of input certain type of input even if it's garbage and then video streaming and then it seems like every iOS update just like the applications, they run on the iOS device and they stream either wirelessly or wired to the uh, the touch panel or the, the display. And then your inputs somehow get relayed back through that communication channel. I wonder what the, because um, you know how they do, they do wireless CarPlay? Yeah, you must have to have some kind of high bandwidth, something or other. Wi-Fi with like a Bluetooth pairing thing. I'm just guessing. Because that's kind of how, it's like uh, AirPlay. Mm. You can set your Apple TV to allow anybody on your network to, to AirPlay to it. Or... Anybody nearby, which is good because that means you can have a partitioned network where your guests connect to a, a network that doesn't allow any LAN routing. But if they're in the same room as another Apple TV, they can airplay to it despite not having LAN routing. 
It would just be peer to peer. Yeah. Does the um, does the ten S have Bluetooth five? I don't think so. I don't know. Hmm. It and maybe it does. I think the new Apple Watch does. I would think if the new Apple Watch does, then the XS, the XS Max would have it too. Because what's the benefit of having five on the Apple Watch if it's communicating with your phone and your phone only has 4.2? Yeah. I don't know. Wasn't the Apple Watch getting its own, uh, like the Watch OS 6, it's getting its own management now? Like you don't have to use the... Uh... Yeah, it'll be very, very standalone now. It's got its own app store, which would be such a pain in the ass to use. And it can apparently check for updates itself. It can't update standalone yet, but it can check for updates and then with the help of your phone, complete the update. Okay. There's some other crazy stuff that came out with. There was so much in that announcement, I can't remember most of it. Like the Bluetooth permission dialogue was one that was unexpected. They had some other update for the iPhone that had... Oh yeah, how's uh, iPad OS? You're running the beta. It's cool. Have you tried Sidecar? You don't have don't a Mac have a anymore. Mac to use it. Yeah. Man. That looks so great. Yeah. I. The only thing I've really messed with, I got the mouse support working, and it seems like it works with really any third-party mouse. That looks um, great, too. Yeah. And then, um, uh, what was the other thing? I mean the interface is nice. The um it's they like made everything it seems like smaller and more spread out. Like the the way the icons like it, the way you you know um when you swipe to the left to get to like where your widgets are and stuff like that. Now it's just kind of like a a side pane that comes out. It doesn't actually change transition the whole uh screen over to a different like full screen. Oh yeah, window. it crunches down your all your uh, home screen icons. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't messed with it too much. I just I installed the beta out of curiosity. I like that it, you you have a desktop class browser now. Yeah. You can open up multiple sessions with their own tabs. You can put them side by side with their own tabs. Uh. You can force sites to treat it like a desktop browser and go right into Google Drive without having to install their crappy mobile apps. Yeah, there's a download manager. Really? Yeah. I remember thinking about how I didn't I didn't understand why you would want that, but then I realized when you received files that it would try to download, it would open and monopolize a whole browser until that browser tab was done loading it and then it would ask you what to do with it so the download manager would actually be really valuable 
because that means you can have the thing finish the damn file, go back, and when you go to open it, it'll ask you what to do with it. Because it would take over your whole system if you had to download a file. Right. Yeah, and if you use USB storage now... Oh, yeah. That's just, cool. Uh, download files directly into that. That's It's really useful, too, for... You're like working in IT like I am and you don't want to lug around a laptop, you could just use your iPad and download files from certain sites and then just save them onto a thumb drive. Like a open VPN client export configuration or something like that. I thought there was some kind of hack, sort of a hack that you, you were able to do that before. I think you could save it into like a Dropbox or something like that or a OneDrive. Yeah, that's how people had to move around, uh, get around storing stuff like that before. I don't know. I, I, I might have put a link in the show notes or sent it to you directly. Hmm. Oh, yeah, YubiKey had a recall on all of their FIPS keys. I don't think I talked about this on the last show. They had some flaw where uh, every time you plugged in the key, it would have some residual information from the last time it was started. And then any cryptographic operations you do would be weakened because there wasn't enough randomness that was generated on startup. Uh-huh. So they sent me $160 in new YubiKeys. We talked about this in person. That's why I'm remembering it. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, we were talking about this like a week ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, That's thinking about getting, yeah, I'm thinking about getting a uh, NFC based YubiKey at some point. But you can't use it with iOS. For indefinitely, or do you think eventually it'll work? You can use some function of it with iOS. I can move the NFC thing close to my phone. It prints some shit, bounces my phone to a like web a browser. one-time password? Something like that. It doesn't work like you'd expect it to, and it doesn't work in any applications. What you need to wait for is the lightning uh, the lightning YubiKey that's coming out. It's lightning on one side and USB-C on the other, which will make it work on the new iPad and on your iPhone and old your older iPads. And that'll actually be able to do, as far as I know, all of the YubiKey functions, like the uh, GPG smart card, uh, U2F, the WebAuthn protocol, whatever that is, which would give you... Uh, hardware two-factor on your iPhone and not just your computer. And because it's USB-C, it'll work on your, your computer too. Yeah. Unless you got one of those uh, Surface shit boxes. I had the displeasure of using one the other day and found out that if you're going to reset it and you want it to download stuff from the internet to reset the OS, it can't connect to anything except for the most basic Wi-Fi. If you have any special non, if you have anything beyond a, like a generic 
uh, US character set. It shows the most dis um, unusual characters on the screen. Like it barfs out characters to represent an accented E. If that's your SSID name. Uh -huh. And then if you use Enterprise WPA2, you know, a standard, uh, doesn't support it. It thinks it's hmm. just going to log in with a single uh, Wi-Fi WPA password. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't run into that. It's pretty basic. Because I think we do the Enterprise uh, WPA with uh, our clients that are using Unify uh, access points. And I haven't run into that issue because I have had to reset a couple services on site before. Yeah, I can do the reset on device or I can re-download the OS and reinstall. I don't know what the differences are, but I had to do it offline. Plus, it would have been faster. Well, when you do a reset procedure on a surface, it usually downloads the OS while you're still in the OS, and then it reboots, and then it goes through the installation phase. Yeah, it couldn't do it because it has to get online, and it doesn't support WPA2 Enterprise, which is like a 15-year-old mm. standard. WPA2 Enterprise with Radius Authentication is really great because you can give each employee their own credentials and know whose credentials got out if a random device shows up with those credentials on it. Yeah. And you don't have to tell everybody to rekey the Wi-Fi. Everybody's got their own individual key. Yeah, you just make it based on their AD credentials or email or something like that. Yeah. All right. You want to go? Yeah. Um, I feel like I was forgetting something, but can't think about it. I haven't eaten in 18 hours. That's a good fast. Yeah. thought you were going to have a morning beer. I'm not going to break my fast with beer, I decided. Oh, man, that would be painful. Yeah. After that beer wears off, you're going to be in pain from ravenous hunger. I need right. beef. You get your beef. Everybody else, rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it now. And go to bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions. Bringyourwallet.com slash donate to support the show and share the show. See you next week. Happy 4th of July.